morning. Every time I get to preach, I'm reminded how short I am. But I'm pretty tall in Cambodia. One of the tallest guys. Good morning. It is uh, great to be together. This is our last Sunday here in Lawndale High School. Uh, so it's been a great uh, place for us, and I really enjoy uh, meeting together here. And next week we're going to be back in um, the uh, Maricosta High School. I think they've done renovating, so we're going to get a chance to be there, one of the first customers there. And there'll be a regional service as well. Uh, you might be wondering, where are all the uh, community group leaders? They're on a retreat, and uh, they're in La Quinta meeting together, just charting out things for the year, the rest of the year, and for next year as well. Uh, it's a little bit like uh, preseason football. I'm kind of like the third-string quarterback, how they call it, you know, like the third, uh, fifth pick uh, on the tenth round, getting my shot. <laughs> but that's great. I love preaching to our family here because uh, it is a family. And I want to welcome everyone here. Uh, this is, uh, I think this is the week before school starts, right? So I know this past week has been a pretty momentous uh, week for the child family. We saw Elizabeth dropped her off at uh, Pepperdine University. And uh, that, was, that was a little bit of a tearjerker for Lena and myself. And, but I think Elizabeth was just fired up to get a chance to be away from her parents for a little while, but uh, she came back this weekend just to hear her dad preach the word. You know, uh, this whole month we've been talking about the kingdom of God, and really it, it, it's such a huge topic, and even the words that we use, uh, we see in the Bible that, that Jesus has used, it's pretty amazing to me how he, he's trying to grapple with the words, the right words to describe to us what the kingdom of God is like. And it reminds me a little bit of Captain Kirk. You ever watch Star Trek? And uh, Captain Kirk, I, I grew up in Vietnam, and we had a 13-inch black and white, and uh, we watched Captain Kirk in Vietnam. And the thing I remember even as a kid was just how, how passionate he was. Remember when he was stri- describing the universe, and he would get in his stance, he would go like this, and he would go back a little bit. He goes, the stars, the sun, the moon. And it's kind of like that with Jesus. I'm not comparing Jesus to Captain Kirk. Okay, I'm just saying that we try to grapple with words to describe something that is unimaginable. Something that is so awesome that it takes a lot more than just one simple sentence to describe it. So this whole month, that's what we've been trying to do. And we've been attempting to describe what the kingdom of God is like. Now, the first week we preached about it being like a wedding banquet and how the, the owner of the house, he's putting a, a, a huge banquet out and he went out and he grabbed people literally from the streets. And progressively, as we study out what the kingdom is like, we get a glimpse of what God is like and who God is like and what the kingdom is like and what it represents. And the thing about the wedding banquet is this, that to me, I don't know about you, when I read the wedding banquet, it scares me a little bit. Now, the Bible says that actually this guy was invited in, he didn't have the right clothes, and he was thrown out into the darkness. I don't know about you, it makes me think. Now, we're supposed to serve a loving God, a gracious God, a compassionate God. How does that reconcile with that scripture? Well, it reconciles a lot that we have to respect God for who He is. 
And that we can't just fit God into a little image of who we think He is and expect Him to be like that. He is all-encompassing. And we have to learn how to respect God. And that scripture makes a really poignant point. That you, you think about that guy and you go, well, it's so unfair that he comes in, he's just dragged off the street, you know, he, he comes in, he's willing, he doesn't have any clothes on, maybe he didn't have enough money or maybe he wasn't prepared. But if you do a little history behind it, you'll find that in those days, when you come in, actually the groom or the, the wedding party provides the wedding clothes for you. And you come in and it's like one of those, you know, jackets that is, it fits all, and, but at least you have one, right? So you look at that store and you go, wow, the guy had everything prepared for him and yet he still was not prepared. What does that mean? There's such a disrespect for God's Word. There's such a disrespect for the way that God does things. We learn something from the wedding banquet. You've got to respect God. You want to make it into the wedding banquet? You've got to respect God. The second week we talked about uh, the hidden treasure. And another facet of what the kingdom is like, and we find that it's, it's incredible that people actually sell things, everything that they have, just to be able to get that treasure. You know, they hide things, and they pawn things, and they sell everything that they have, and they consider it a great joy. It's convicting. You know, I, I've been a Christian for about 25 years. It's so easy sometimes to go through the motion. I don't know about you. It's, it's so easy to go through. We get excited about different things. And I love football. And I, I know there are some avid football fans. And you're excited. You're like, oh man, it's like two weeks to go. And you know, the starters are getting more playing time. And you're, you're anticipating. And I'm with you. But you know, the, the, the treasure is talking about something that is infinitely more, more valuable than that. You know, when we're in Cambodia, and I think I've told this story before where you know, a good friend of mine, he uh, owns a pretty wealthy jewelry company. Uh, one time I sat down with him, he was a little depressed, and he said that, uh, I said, what's wrong with you? He says, I'm a little depressed. Our, our gross sales was $40 million for the year. And I go, oh, man, I, I totally don't know what you're talking about. You know, I was like, I just I can't go there. And uh, if you look at the history of how their company started, it's pretty mind-blowing. It's, it's biblical. He, uh, his family owed... Uh, lend a neighbor some money and the neighbor had no money to pay back and gave him a stone. And for years, yeah, for months, he uh, kept the stone in the cupboard. And just one day, he, he was just thinking about it. He says, you know what? This looks pretty promising. Let me go and have this appraised. And the first guy who looked at it said, uh, impossible. There's no way that an emerald can be that big. Stuck it back into the cupboard. Well, kind of gnawed at him a little bit more. A few months passed. Brought it to Hong Kong and had it appraised. And literally, the guy, when he saw it, he got out on his knees and started bowing down to it. It was one of the largest emeralds ever found on earth. So, I know what happened to that family. Okay? What I think about is the poor dude who gave the little rock away. What happened to him? And it, 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 it just, I mean, I think about him all the time. He's still in Cambodia somewhere, toiling away, trying to make a, a living while he had it in his hands. And it shows me that you've got to recognize, we have to recognize what God is giving us, the potential of what, what God is giving us. And it takes a little work to figure it out what it is. 
But I wonder as well, you know, are we you know, taking the God, God, the kingdom for granted? Are we taking God's word for granted? Is it a burden? Or is it really, we value it as what it is, the kingdom of God? Last week we looked at the unworthy servants and just the attitude that we need to have. It does seem unfair, doesn't it? The guy who works 24 hours or 12 hours gets paid the same as the guy who works one hour. It is. I mean, in, in, in the worldly view, it is unfair. But that's the point of that scripture. It teaches us not to look at things in a worldly, in, in a worldly view. If we do, we're in trouble. We, we compare, we begin to compare, well, I do this and I do that. It, it's over. It's a no-win situation. So we learn about the right attitude and what it really takes to be in the kingdom of God. And I tell you what, you know, a good attitude is like a good haircut. I mean, it lasts you for about a few weeks and it grows out and you've got to go back and get it re- redo. It's so true. I, I don't know about... I, I'm glad I'm a man. I'm not saying that in a weird way. I'm glad I'm a man. I don't have to go through it all the hair thing. And, you know, I see, I see the women go through their hair thing in the last two days, and I go, what's the point? I'm not kidding. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not like that. Okay? It's, it's really an attitude. It's, it's, it's constant adjustments. As you get older as a Christian, you see things, you go, I, I, I can't believe that. Or, you know, I, I, it's amazing to me, you know, that that guy gets away with whatever. You know, it's just things that plays in our minds. A lot of our struggles really is uh, internal. So, that's what the kingdom of God is like. You know, I would have loved to be there just to see Jesus grapple with words. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Try to really instill in us what it really takes to be in the kingdom of God. Today we're going to talk about the mustard seed and how it grows. And uh, really... But before we do that, I want to talk about just some foundational things. And despite all the attempts of describing what the kingdom is, we need to really go back and try to figure it out again. What, what is the kingdom again? Is it here? Is it coming? Has it been around? Is it, is it, is it touchable? Does it have an address? You know, does it have a date on it? And that's what we want. We want so bad to, to really you know, have something tangible. And it is but not the way that we think about it. Let's take a look in uh, Luke chapter 17. You know, the religious leaders of their day, they try to grapple at, uh, try to figure out what the kingdom of God was like as well. Luke 17, and they ran into a, a guy named Jesus. In Luke chapter 17, in verse 20, and we're going to read uh, up to verse 21, it says, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And if you look at the notation on that, within also means among you. It could be within and among you as well. You know, throughout... The history of mankind. That's what we want. We, we want, and especially these Jews, they, they want the kingdom of God to come to overthrow the current situation, the bondage of Roman rule, and to become free. And that's what they thought the kingdom of God was going to be like. But Jesus straight on says, listen, it's not like what you think it is. 
It is not going to come with a lot of pomp and circumstances. It's not going to be political. It's not going to be all those things. It's within you and it's going to be among you. And I think they walked away going, I still don't know what it is. I still can't figure it out. I still don't really have a firm grasp on what the kingdom of God is like. But they do know what Jesus says. It's not by our careful observation. I have four points today. You know, what is the kingdom? We need to define what it is as best as we can. Point number two, how did it start? And when did it start? Point number three, how does it grow? How does the kingdom grow? And us as being disciples, as being part of the kingdom, how do we grow? And my last point, well, what's the point of it all? Let's take a look in uh, Matthew chapter 13. That's going to be our text for today. Matthew chapter 13. It must have been so frustrating to these guys. Look what it says. And he told them another parable in verse 31. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all your seeds. When it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. You know, again, Jesus is trying to use words to describe to these guys what the kingdom of God is like. And he compares it to two things. He compares it to a mustard seed. And there have been a lot of people saying, well, how small is the mustard seed? And really, that's not the point. The point is that it's small. Is it the smallest thing? It doesn't really matter. It's, it's showing us the comparison. Although it has a humble beginning, it's small. But the potential is incredible. The potential for what? The potential to have other to grow and the potential to have even the birds come in and perch in its branches. You know, I love that scripture a lot because... I don't think I'm old. I'm getting older. And as I get older, you know, hopefully I, I learn a few things. And I tell you what, I'm 46 years old. The hair's, hairline's thinning a little bit. I've been struggling with that. Talk to some brothers, you know, about what do I need to do? And they say, you've got to use this and use that. And I go, well, if I use this, do I have to keep going? And they say, yeah, you've got to keep going. I say, well, what if you don't keep going? And, he, and it'll fall off again. And I told that guy, I said, bro, that sounds a lot like glue. You know, I was like, that's what it is, you know. Here's what I've learned. There's nothing else. There's literally nothing else. There's a lot of political system. And it blows my mind sometimes when I hear people argue back and forth about this works better and that works better. Perhaps it works a little bit better. But at the end of the day, it's the key. It's the things of the kingdom where even the birds can come in and perch in its branches. You know, what is the kingdom? I, 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 there's a couple of definitions that I saw from a couple of theologians. And it says that uh, the kingdom of God, what is it? It's, it's God's people in God's place under God's rule. I thought that was a pretty good definition. But I didn't think it was complete. 
because it left out a few things that we're going to look at here. And another definition is, it's the kingdom is the reign of God dynamically active in human history through Jesus Christ. The purpose of which is the redemption of his people from sin and from demonic powers. And the final establishment of a new heaven and a new earth. That's what we're looking forward to. You know, it says that at the end will come. That all of the, what we know of in this world, it's going to pass away. And the kingdom in its purest form will appear. Right now it's a little bit murky. Because the kingdom is intermixed with what's going on in the world. And it's fighting the world. And the world is fighting back. There is a battle. But, the, but it says that at the end, in the final establishment of a new heaven and a new earth. And here's the question. Will we be there for that day? Will we be there for that day? You know, Second Kings chapter 5. Let's take a look at there. And, you know, the kingdom was not just when Jesus started his movement. That's when the church, that part of the kingdom started. But the kingdom is where God's influence is. And I love the scripture a lot, especially with, with a lot of singles that I see here, with a lot of campus students that are going back into on the campus. And I, I really appreciate my daughter. She's, she's excited about college, but she's a little freshman running around trying to figure things out. And, you know, how am I going to have impact on this giant, humongous campus. In 2 Kings chapter 5, is one of my favorite stories in the Bible about what the kingdom is and what does it do in this world. It's a story about Naaman. He was a general on the other side. And he had leprosy. And he sought all kinds of cures from everybody. You know, he, had the, he had every means at his disposal. He just couldn't find a cure. He was so desperate to a point where he says, listen, why don't Somebody advised him, why don't you try the enemy camp? That's where the, maybe the answer is. And he tried it. He's a pride, a proud general from the opposing force uh, going to the prophet of Israel. And he gets cured after a lot of, you know, haggling back and forth. He gets cured, and let's read in verse, uh, verse 17. He tries to offer the prophet some money, some things, and the prophet said no. And here's his response in verse 17. He says, If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifice to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for the one thing. When my, masters, when my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down and he is leaning on my arm, and I bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Rimon, may the Lord forgive your sermon for this. He just became a Christian. He just became a follower of God. And he came from a place where he was the one giving the orders. And his attitude changed. And he said to the prophet, he says, listen, I have an issue of conscience here. I need to wrestle through with this. And you know what? That, that's what Christians do. That's what disciples do. You know, a lot of times we want clear answers. We want something that's so clear that we don't have to think about that. But you know, the Bible says that it's a wrestling. I really think, you know, as, as being a Christian for 25 years, 
I think that's really one of the main differences between what it means to be a disciple and what it means not to be a disciple. You know, when we come to a certain situation, when we come to something, is it an automatic response? Will we do what we usually do by instinct or do we ask questions? Is this biblical? Is this really in accordance with God's will? How does God feel about this? He's a young young follower of God. That's what he did. He said, listen, I got... I'm going back to my country. The kingdom is not this self-contained, up in the mountains somewhere, hidden away where a bunch of disciples get to chant and sing songs for 24 hours a day. The kingdom is within us. And wherever we are, that's what the kingdom is. And that's the representation of the kingdom. I love this story because it it explains that. So what's the point about the the two mules of, uh, of dirt? Well, in those days... What happens is that where you stand to worship, that's the God. The God of that ground is your God. What is Naaman saying? Naaman saying, listen, i got to do my job. I'm a college student. I'm a single professional. i got a job. i got to go back, and I'm away from the body of Christ, if you will. But you know what? But I'm not alone. And I'm not going to follow those things. I'm not going to be a double-minded person. I'm not going to come to church and be one thing and go back to work on Monday morning and be, be different. I'm going to bring this plot of ground. And you know what? My boss is probably not going to like this, but I'm going to do this. And I want to see if it's okay with you. And he asks for advice. And he says, listen, I'm willing to take a stand. that I will no longer worship that God. You know, I'm glad that you're going back to school. I want to see how you're going to do this year as students. Are we ambassadors of Christ? That's what it is. Ambassadors are people that have an embassy in the foreign ground, but that is the sovereign property of the country that we represent. And I love being, I, when, when I was growing up, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an ambassador. I thought it was so cool that you get your own car, get little flags in the front there, people make way for you, got a lot of power, you go to nice parties. But you know, an ambassador is much more than that, obviously. An ambassador is someone who represents the country that they come from. And that's who we are. If you're a campus student, have some confidence. Have some conviction about who you represent. You might be two or three. You might feel overwhelmed. But you know what? You are an ambassador of Christ, just like Naaman was. He says, listen, I'm going to do this. You know, give me your blessing. That's what the kingdom is. The kingdom is within us. The kingdom is who we are and where we are. Point number two. How did it start? You know, pretty humble beginning. The kingdom is pretty humble. I mean, you look at a bunch of guys. They got their start and uh, they even said what? They even said, um, can anything good come from there? One of their own guys said that. It wasn't even someone else said that. One of their own guys. Have you ever been to a Bible talk? You go, can anything good come from this thing here? You know, who put this group together? And, you know, have they not thought through this? I mean, what's up with this? Do they not know? You know, I mean, did they pick the best people and they stuck me with all these brothers and sisters that, you know, that are, have no clue? You know, it's encouraging to me that the, the, the kingdom started pretty humbly. It is. Because, you know what? It, it, it tells me that, you know, God can work through anything. So, I hope that helps you and me to have a renewed perspective about our group. But God can do anything as we get started. You know, the Pepperdine ministry is pretty strong. And praise be to God, they got like 26 disciples on campus. 
they got a little force of army of Elizabeth on, on campus, you know, marching around. It's pretty awesome. But, you know, maybe your group is not as set up as that as we're getting new things started. But if we look at it through the eyes of men, perhaps, let's look through it through the eyes of God. We're going to focus a lot on the third point. How does it grow? Let's go back to Matthew chapter uh, 13. You know, what's interesting about Jesus is that he uses a botanical um, example. And uh, one thing I think about botanical issues, I don't know anything about it. I'm a city guy. I, I think that, you know, things grow at Safeway or Albertsons. And I haven't seen anything grow, you know, in my whole life. I grew up in big cities all my life. You know, and, and it's true, the, the longer we progress as a society, we, we kind of get further and further and away from that. But there are plenty of other examples about how things grow. You know, Nalina and I uh, are the proud parent of a two-year-old as well. It's a, it blows my mind, this little girl. I mean, and she sleeps and she wakes up and she has a new word. The other day I uh, looked into her and I go, Gabby, you know that daddy is so proud of you and love you and she looked back and I kid you not she goes I do I go whoa you know whose kid is this you know it's pretty amazing you know she figured it out I usually don't tell jokes but I'll tell this one here an Asian uh, parent couple they uh, went to the hospital because she's about to give birth and uh, everybody's excited everybody's a little nervous she gives birth and Everybody's still working and stuff, and here comes this baby, and the baby's green. The whole room was silent. No one knew what to say. It was just an awkward moment. It's like, oh my goodness, what do we do, you know? So one of the nurse said, uh, oh, that's beautiful. Um, uh, what are you going to name him? And the woman says, I don't know, something wrong. <laughs> I know it's going to take a little while. I'm Asian. I can do that. That's, that's my thing. You might ask yourself, Ken, please, uh, what's the point? <laughs> Here's the point. I'll tell you the point. The point is that we expect some of the Asian brothers like Ken. Um, well, what's the point? The point is that sometimes we expect something to happen. And I think that's what happens when we become Christians as well. You know, we want this instant change. You know, just add water and everything changes. In some ways, it does change. There are things that grow very fast. Right in front of our eyes. And I see Gabby, and there are days I go, wow, she's growing very fast. But you know what? I don't see her. You know, when they say growth spurts and stuff, I don't see her. I'm not like watching and go, whoa, there's another inch. I mean, it's just, it takes a little time. And I really think that if we shift our mind a little bit, I think we can be a little bit more patient with one another as well. And I think we can really help each other really grow and encourage each other a little bit more I go, bro, I've really seen you grow in that. I don't think you're perfect in any stretch of the imagination, but I think you've grown in that. That's encouraging. I think that's why Jesus used, used a botanical example, and he used the yeast as well that it grows overnight. I think there's a balance there. there there's, a, there's a symmetry in the way that God helps us grow. Here's what I mean. Let's take a look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. We're going to read verse 16 in that whole passage there. 
Check what time it is. Appreciate that. In verse 16 it says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not do what you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. You know, Paul again is talking about what? He's talking about doing things that we're so used to doing versus to doing what the Spirit tells us to do. What God tells us to do. And Paul's saying, listen, you, you either live by the Spirit or you're not. And, and the Bible says actually, you know, you will gratify one thing, the sinful nature, or you're going to be in step with the Spirit. They are in conflict with one another. They cannot exist together. In verse 19, he says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, this is one of quite a few lists in the Bible where it lays out specifically some of the sins that the Bible really preaches against. And when you look at this list here, there are two categories of sin. You know, the first one is the sexual things that are very obvious. And the second one is a little bit harder to track down. You know, the faction, the things of the hearts. Isn't that true? I mean, if you're in adultery, you don't wake up in the morning, you look at them and say, whoa, whoa, you're not my wife. I mean, that's, that's obvious. Alright? But the other ones are a little bit more harder to track down. And yet, the Bible says that all those things are equally potent in terms of keeping us from the kingdom of God. You know, how do we grow? Well, number one, I think we've got to deal with that sinful nature. We need to really examine where that sinful nature comes from. You know, we are not a church that comes together, sing a few songs, listen to some few nice lessons. I mean, we are a church that really challenge one another to help each other to grow, to love one another deep enough. Nobody likes getting into somebody's face. Nobody likes that. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just not, it's, it's time consuming. It's messy. It's tiring. It's risky because you're like, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. It, it puts the relationship, you know, it, it takes a risk with the relationship. But you know, that's what God calls us to do. You know, Paul says, listen, I'm telling you, you live like this, you're not going to make it. You come to church, that's great. You're not going to make it. I mean, we are not that religious, to be honest with you. I work with a lot of people in my company. I, mean, I work with a lot of people that pray a lot more than us that are a lot more devoted. I mean, they, they go to church early in the morning. Six. They go to the temples. They pray three times a day. You know, I go to these, some of these conventions and, you know, some of these Jews, they pull together. You know, they, they stop shop. They pull together in a little corner and they pray together. You know, I went to a, a show last week in Las Vegas. It started on Saturday, ended on Tuesday. All the Jewish shops on Saturdays were closed. 
You're talking about money that they lost. We're not gonna, we're not gonna out-religious other people. What it is is the willingness and the heart to be real. To be open. Isn't that a lot better in terms of the relationship? Isn't that a lot more worthwhile? I mean, we, we do put a lot of time into the kingdom, right? But man, let's, let's, let's do it in a way that God intends it to be. So that we can get out what God intended for us to have. Amen? You know, that scripture is hard. It, it looks right into what we do and who we are on the inside. Christian growth needs to be symmetrical. What does that mean? Let's read together verse 22. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. English is like my fourth language. Okay? But even I know that that's a little bit strange. It's a singular fruit. Okay, but the fruit, shouldn't it be the fruits of the Spirit? But it's actually just the fruits. You know, I grew up in Vietnam and, you know, it, it is, it, it, it is literally my, my fourth language. And I remember growing up and watching Star Trek and, I'll tell you, as football season started, I'll tell you the funny story. Is that my family could never figure out American football. Just imagine with me. Uh, ten Vietnamese people sitting in front of a 13-inch TV, black and white at that time. And you see a bunch of guys hit, hit each other and go back and kind of have a little meeting. <laughs> and then go back and hit each other some more. Go back and meet some more. Go back and hit each other some more. And they got tired of it. They punt to the other side and said, you try it. And they come back and they hit each other some more. I mean, it was, it was, this is hard to figure out. American football is like, you know, it's like this. It's like that. You know, growth, Christian growth is symmetrical. Even I know it's, 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 it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the complete package. Christian growth is symmetrical, meaning that it, it's not unbalanced. You know, a lot of us come into the kingdom. You're a nice person. It has nothing to do with the kingdom. You're just a nice person. You'll share anything. Some of you come into the kingdom and you're, you're patient. You will never say anything. I mean, you, you know, the, 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 somebody can smack you in the face and you just go, do it again. You know, now you're just a nice person. But you know, if, if, when it comes to telling someone what they need to work on, you won't do it. You won't do it. You'll show up to everything. Everything's really cool. But you know, when, when something is hard comes up, you're not faithful. You're thinking about, I gotta take off. You know, you know what? And you're, you're making plans. You're making some, we, 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 we make exit plans. You know, some of us, we work hard. We're diligent. I mean, we, 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 nobody outworks us. 
But our personality is just hard. And we wonder why we don't have any friends. You know, we wonder why people kind of stay away from us a little bit. You know, we kind of really think about those things. The Christian growth, it's symmetrical. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit is one fruit and has all those things. You know, Asian people like to dip things, right? They like to take a sweet fruit and they dip it with a salty fruit. I mean, they just can't. They're not satisfied. Oh, it's so sweet. No, we have to make it sour, you know? Oh, it's sour. Let's make it sweet. I mean, it's, it's funny. Go to Asia. That's what you find. You know, this Christian fruit thing, it's all of those things. It's like what the Asians have been looking for all of their lives. It's, it's like, it's the complete fruit, man. It's the complete package. All those things working together. You know, Lena and I were on the mission field for a long time. And you guys know our story. We love you guys. We're family. We came back and there were some things that we need to work on in our marriage. And we're getting some extra help in that. There were definitely some things that we grew in. And, and were, they were more natural for me to grow in. You know, so I made a list. You know, it's like running away from the communist police. A plus. That was good. That was good. I pretended to be Korean. You know, we had birthday, you know, we had, we had meetings together where we brought up birthday cakes and when they come to bust us, we light it up. We say, hey, it's a birthday party. Why are you busting us? You know, we did all kinds of crazy stuff. So running away from the communist police, hey, listening to my wife, F. I just ran over her. Just insensitive. Just Mr. Fix it. You know, try to fix it within 30, you know, 30 minutes max. You know, walking through the floods in Manila without falling into those manholes. A plus. That was good. Because I knew, because that's where the water kind of goes into. And people die every, every, every time because they, they fall in and they're, they're gone. So, you know, where the water, you see a little water, you walk down. A plus. Pretty good. You know, walking with my wife. D. D. And I felt like I was one of those bodybuilders that were just not symmetrical. I'm like, tremendous biceps, but this pot belly that was just awful, you know? It's like, I go on stage, it's like it's laughable. And it's sad. You know, it's, it's, it's not symmetrical. We have to ask ourselves, is my Christian growth something that is, is tangible, but it's symmetrical? I'm growing in all these areas. I'm producing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Because I think naturally we're strong in some areas. And I think we can deceive ourselves and say, well, you know, I'm growing. Instead of really relying on the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I know it seems kind of down. It's not. It's a gift of God. We can be like that. It's a gift of God. It's not like God is saying, look, you're not, you're not. You know. He's saying you can be. We can be all this. Let's take a look in John chapter 3. I've got about 10 more minutes here. John chapter 3. You know, again, football season's coming up. We're going to see the scripture a lot. Every game. In John chapter 3, we are going to read in verse 16 because it is an important scripture. That is the foundation of why we do what we do. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we're going to read all the way down to um, verse 22. It says, For the love of God, for God, uh, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. 
Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 19. He says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. You know, how do we balance out Galatians 5.19 and Galatians 5.22? You know, does that mean that if I do all those things, you know, I'm not going to be in the kingdom of God? Does it mean that when I become a Christian that I cannot struggle with any of those things? It doesn't mean that. It means that the, the sinful nature is there. But if we're habitually involved in those things, then we do need to question. But here's the point. The point is this. The point is, are we coming into the light? You know, God is gracious. But His grace demands that we come into the light. It is His grace that allows us to come into the light. He says, listen, I can fix anything you want me to. I can do it. I'm not talking about self-help. I can do this. But I need you to allow me to do this. And the way we do that is come into the light. You know, as Christians, openness is everything. It's everything. It is, it is the thing that really is the guard of our hearts. It is, it is the wellspring, you know the Bible says? It's the wellspring of the heart. You gotta guard your heart. The openness. You know, there's nothing more miserable than living a double life. There's nothing more miserable than living a Christian life without being known. There's nothing more miserable than being a Christian and not really benefiting from the fruits of this change in the kingdom that we've been talking about. You know, God didn't call us, didn't call us into the kingdom to suffer and to be miserable. It's a powerful thing. You know, do this test. Next time you see somebody, maybe at the conference, Southwest Conference coming up in November, do this test. Look for someone that you haven't seen in a few years, months. And talk to them and ask them. He says, you know, and, 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 and see. You know, engage a little bit. And ask some people in the fellowship that you have known for a long time. Ask them. Have the, have the openness. You know, a lot of times, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I'm busy. You know, I won't engage somebody, and I shouldn't, unless they really ask. And let's put it this way, I mean, I'm more willing to engage someone if they come up and they do ask. They say, okay, what do you see? What do you think? And you know, when someone does that, you're naturally more gracious, isn't it? True? And, uh, you know, the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be grieved, and I'm always trying to figure out what that means. My mom raised eight kids. And as a parent myself, sometimes when I get mad, I forget the names of my kids. And it's just like I spew out all these names in a row. And my mom did that when I was, when she was mad at me. She's like, she has eight kids to think through. And she just calls me evil spirit. She's like, you evil spirit. I'm not kidding. I kid you not. And in Chinese, it's you evil spirit. And, um, I wonder about the Holy Spirit sometimes. Do I grieve the Holy Spirit? And since I, the Holy Spirit can't sin, and I wonder if I do this to the Holy Spirit, like, mm, can't, you know, I wonder if I do that to him. 
You know, just by just being stubborn. You ever, you ever wonder that? You ever think about that? Says, I should be in a better place by now. You know, God is good. Be open. Even with that struggle, says, you know what? I, I want to be like Galatians 5.22. I want to be there. Help me to get there. My last point. What's the point? In Genesis chapter 12, as we close on out, even the birds can come in and perch in its branches. You know, God's gifts usually comes with a mission. It does, doesn't it? With the guys, he says, listen, I'll give you a hundred times as much. A hundred times as much. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, everything. A hundred times as much. Don't worry about it. You give up everything for me? A hundred times as much. Go preach the word. Go to all nations. You know, Abraham, we don't have time, obviously. Do a study on Abraham. He's really the epitome of what we've been talking about. And I read Abraham's story and how God is so patient with this guy. It blows my mind that God didn't write this guy off. In Genesis chapter 12, it says in verse 1, it says, The Lord had said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. One guy, one seed. And we have the benefit of hindsight. He is the father of three religions, basically. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Fulfilled. I will bless you. Abraham became pretty wealthy. Not only in monetary terms, but in progeny, you know, Pretty wealthy. And legacy, obviously. I will make your name great. Like I said, we're standing around in the middle of Lawndale talking about him 4,000 years later. Checked. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. God is the original Godfather. Whoever messes with you, I'll take care of them. Don't worry about it, you know. And get this. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. One seed. A single seed. You know, I don't know how we see ourselves today. I don't know what we're struggling with today. I don't know what habitual things that, man, I just can't shake this today. I do know this, that Abraham struggled with the same thing. And all those promises came through because he was faithful. That he was willing to belong to the kingdom of God. Yeah, I love that scripture. It says, all people will be blessed through you. You know why? Because I'm included in that number. Because one man, one seed, chose to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. Well, have a great year, school year, end of the year, whatever it is. And God bless you. Thank you.